The Cultured Meat Symposium is back in San Francisco on October 28th and 29th, 2022. This year, the theme of the event is creativity and commerce. Learn more and register at www.cms2022.com. Thanks for joining us on the Future Food Show. On this episode, we're excited to have Laura Katz. Laura is a food scientist and the founder and CEO of Helena. Founded in 2019, Helena produces human milk proteins that are identical to those in breast milk, creating a new category of infant formula. Helena has raised more than $25 million. Laura became NYU's youngest ever adjunct professor in food science and technology in 2017 and was featured in Forbes 30 Under 30 list in 2022. I had a great chat with Laura, and I'm excited to have her on the show. Let's jump right in. Thanks for joining us on the Future Food Show. We're excited to have Laura Katz of Helena on the call today. Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Alex. Laura, there's an upcoming Future Food Tech event in New York that I'm excited to chat about. But before we go into that, tell us a little bit about your background. I'm a food scientist by training. So I've spent the beginning of my career developing food products, all kinds of products that are CPG, so really packaged goods that live on shelves. And I've spent my time thinking about their formulation, the commercialization process, how to scale, how to do all of the technical stuff that makes foods. But before that, and I say before that because my I would say my career really started when I was young. I was really obsessed with food from probably the age of 10 or 11. And I started catering out of my parents' kitchen when I was a teenager. And I've always been obsessed with feeding people, making new foods, making unique eating experiences. So a long history of working in food. That's cool. And I see here that you actually worked at Simulate in the early days. Is that right? Yes, I was probably the first employee there along with, you know, one or two other people helped to develop the actual formulation. So all the things that go into making that product, scaling it, finding the manufacturing facility, going there and touring and figuring out how to procure ingredients is you know, a team of four people and getting it there and just doing all of the, you know, early days startup work, uh, which was a lot of fun. Wow, that's cool. And so you have a background in food science and you started Helena. So tell us about what Helena is. We are a biotech company recreating the proteins found in breast milk that are focused on building immunity in babies but not just in babies. We can use the proteins that we make in infant formula to bring a next generation of a humanized infant formula to market, as well as using these proteins that help to build the immune system into all different kinds of consumer products where people need better nutrition. And the backbone of what we're building this off of is a precision fermentation platform. So we teach yeast how to make these proteins and they become cell factories for us to manufacture proteins that are identical to what's found in breast milk. 
So I'd love to dig a little bit deeper into the science, but before we go there, what I've been hearing on the news is that there's a huge shortage of infant formula. Can you tell us about that? We're seeing at the moment a lot of the issues that have been facing this entire industry come, you know, to light and also synergistically all work towards or work together to create a shortage. So we have two, three large manufacturers who are responsible for a majority of the U.S. domestic supply of infant formula with one of those facilities shut down due to a product recall, a large portion of the country's supply is not available right now because the manufacturer can't be making it. And of course that causes shortages. At the same time, we have supply chain issues. So actually procuring the right material and enough quantity of the inputs that go into infant formula is delaying production for not just the facility that has, you know, is not right now currently in use, but to a lot of different infant formula manufacturers. So that makes it much more challenging to actually meet demand or exceed what you are currently making to make up for this gap in the market. And there is a big calling card to companies like Helena and others in the space who are working tirelessly to bring new products and better products to market. Of course, it takes a long time. There are a lot of checks and balances in bringing formula to market, uh, critically important safety studies that need to be done. But it's really all of the all of the issues that have been really illuminated to us working in the background on this. But now all of these flaws are very apparent to the public and it's all coming to surface at once. Uh, so that's what we're currently seeing with the infant formula crisis at the moment. And so hopefully in the future, Helena will be able to fill those gaps. Is that right? Exactly. We look to not just fill the gaps, but exceed the expectation of what infant formula even is. Right now, we rely on conventional agricultural sources for most of the inputs that go into infant formula. This can be limiting. And also many of these components like corn syrup and maltodextrin are not found in breast milk. They're ingredients that we can use to fill out these products, but they're not providing any nutritive or therapeutic benefit to baby in the same way breast milk does. So to create the components of breast milk that help to build critical systems in baby, like the immune system, is a way to advance the category and allow the industry to start relying on more sustainable and reliable methods to produce the inputs for infant formula to avoid any type of supply chain issue or shortage moving forward. Exciting. And so you mentioned that your team uses a precision fermentation approach to creating the end product or the, I guess, this like super infant formula, so, so to say. <laughs> and so would you say that's a similar method to companies like Perfect Day or every company, Clara Foods, every company? Exactly. So those companies are making, you know, more animal derived um, ingredients uh, using precision fermentation. And uh, the difference between them and, and us is we're recreating human proteins. 
And I'd say where we depart from the current companies on the market is a lot of the application for precision fermentation made proteins at the moment is to make ingredients that help to build a sensory profile or the taste and the flavor and the texture that you're familiar finding in animal products. And that is great. I think it's a really interesting way to use this technology, but that is not our focus at Helena. The sensory profile is secondary to the actual efficacy that we're building into the protein. So we almost think about it as like medicinal foods or functional proteins. We are optimizing for creating proteins that help to build immunity. So we put the efficacy ahead of anything else as we think about development. And that's where the application of precision fermentation is actually quite novel in making high value, highly nutrient dense ingredients, as opposed to ingredients for their sensory profile. In addition to the protein, what are some of the other components in breast milk or maybe the infant formula? There are so much. Breast milk is complex and consumers, I think, you know, those not in the food industry often care about seeing a clean label with short ingredients. And if you didn't include a lot of ingredients in an infant formula, you'd be missing so many of the components that we're trying to recreate from breast milk. And we're doing our best to target all of what is found in breast milk that can be found through ingredients like food ingredients and bringing in our proteins as this next level of humanizing infant formula. And our goal as a business over time is to recreate all of breast milk's most valuable components. The other ingredients that we are including in our formula are things like vitamins and minerals. So some of the essentials that have to be there to ensure baby is getting every single nutrient they need DHA, which is derived from algae, and this helps to develop cognitive health. We include human milk oligosaccharides, which are sugars that essentially function as fiber and help to build the gut of the infant. So these are just a few things that we are really excited about, but our goal is to make as comprehensive as a formula and include all of the best available science in one consumer product to make it as close to breast milk as possible. Great. And and there won't be any other, or there won't be any animal-based products in the end product. Is, is that right? Such as you know, any, anything that currently exists from an ingredient standpoint. So there will, because there's some components where there's no way around it. I'll give an example. Lactose. Lactose is a main source of sugar in both cow's milk and breast milk. And unfortunately, the only way to procure lactose globally is to take it from cow's milk. And the other alternatives for the sugar source in infant formula is corn syrup. And that was not an ingredient that we were willing to include in our product. And there's actually a lot of good data data to show that lactose is the best form of sugar and the most natural form of sugar for babies. 
So that is something that we're including. Maybe there is a future one day where we can make lactose using fermentation. I think that would be very cool, but it would take a long time. And hopefully, if it's not Helena that works towards that, maybe somebody listening can think about how to make lactose through fermentation because it would be solving so many different issues of having to rely on bovine-derived lactose. Cool. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it's what's the the best product for the, the infant or the baby. Exactly. Before I forget, I wanted to ask the name Helena. What does it mean? How did you kind of come up with it? Where did that come about? Helena is my middle name, actually. But we are honoring my great-grandmother who immigrated from Eastern Europe to Canada, where I'm actually natively from at the turn of the century. And she lived her life for her family and her children and wrote a letter actually to my uncle about how she was so excited to be able to come to Canada and to build a life where she could see her children shine. And so to be able to honor somebody who cared so much about the livelihood of children and their development and could have never imagined in the same token that we've been able to advance women's health and infant nutrition and women's rights to where they are today was a really critical thing for us to think about in honoring her with the name of the company. And another thing about my great grandmother, Helena, is that she was widowed later in life and she was tasked with taking over the family business. And my great grandfather had a hardware store and she took over the hardware store. And at that time, women didn't really work very much, but she took to it and she ran that business. It actually still exists today. It's not owned by the family, but it's um, owned by another family. And so the entrepreneurial spirit, I think, was something that we wanted to honor her as well. So that's where the name Helena comes from. I love it. What a, what a beautiful story. And actually, you know, before the call, I Googled define Helena. And one of the definitions that came up was ray of light, sunshine, hope. And so it's that's very beautiful. Yeah, thank you. So we are talking about creating human proteins for consumption. What does the regulatory landscape look like? There is, for infant formula, a pretty standard process to commercialize a product. And a lot of it is centered around a clinical study. So to ensure that the product meets all safety requirements and meets baby's growth requirements, as an infant formula manufacturer, you have to feed your formula to infants uh, for a set period of time and measure different things as outlined by the FDA to ensure that the product is providing adequate growth and development for babies. This is really the cornerstone of the regulatory process. And there's a few other things that you have to prepare, but this is key. So this is something actually Helena is currently planning. Uh, It takes time to be able to get to a clinical study. And we have a lot of internal safety studies that we do before actually getting there, but that is the biggest part of the process that companies have to account for if they want to get into this category. And there is no other food uh, that requires clinical studies. So it is quite a big hurdle and a cost and a time that you need to be able to bake into 
your business as you're thinking about bringing a new product to the category. So the upcoming panel at Future Food Tech, I believe is entitled, Something is Brewing, Improving Fermentation Capacity and Reducing Downstream Processing Costs. Can you tell us a little bit about what we might be able to expect at this panel discussion? Well, Mark Warner, who is moderating the panel is quite brilliant in this category and he's actually helped us a lot at Helena. So I can't wait to be able to speak on the panel really where we'll focus and where my perspective and Helena's perspective comes from is some of the challenges that we find in scaling a fermentation process, especially as an early stage company, knowing that there's a lot of things that we don't know about the process until we get to scale and how we can navigate some of these unknowns, but also still hit internal milestones and critical scale milestones to prove that what we're doing is is viable outside of a lab. And that you can take a science project and turn it into a business by way of scaling. There just has to be points points of comfort where you're uncomfortable knowing that it is okay that you don't have all the answers as you scale. Um, I think the other piece that we'll likely focus on on the panel is the challenges that we're facing currently with DSP and how you scale a DSP process without being able to test every part of it in your own lab or in a pilot scale because every single facility has a different DSP suite And so you need to be able to consider that and consider the cost and the capex of building out your own customized DSP suite, uh, every place that you go potentially for your scale up process and what that can mean for your business. So these are just some of the things that we're going to be touching on, but I think it's going to be a really exciting panel. And I'm really proud to be able to be part of it because it's a part of the industry that sometimes is not the most glamorous part of talking about it. You know, manufacturing and the commercial process is, it's the reality of what we have to do to be able to build a business, but doesn't always get the attention it deserves. So it's going to be really informative. And I hope that there are a lot of people in the audience that get to learn a lot from that panel. Great. And that panel will be next week at Future Food Tech in New York, the 2022 edition. And I believe it'll be on the 21st, but the conference itself goes on the 21st and 22nd. We'll have additional information about the conference and how you might be able to join virtually or in person in the show notes. Well, that's super exciting, and I'm definitely looking forward to the panel. I wanted to kind of ask you about challenges as an entrepreneur, but more specifically, maybe first ask you as a female entrepreneur, What is some advice you might be able to give to other female entrepreneurs that are either going out there, have started their companies, or maybe thinking about starting a company for those listening? Have no shame. That is probably my biggest piece of advice. When you start a business, you have to cold email so many people and build connections and get in front of as many folks as possible. And you can't feel shame or uncomfortable with just putting yourself out there because the more that you do it, the more probability of success you'll have. Uh, When I started Helena, I didn't even know what a VC was. 
I did know what precision fermentation was and I had no network, no connections. And I went through Crunchbase and I filtered for angel investors and angel investors that do early stage. I think that was like really my only two criteria. And I just went through that list and I pretty sure I emailed the top 150 people and tried to get on the phone with as many people as possible. A lot of the conversations were probably, you know, I wasn't reaching the right people, but I didn't feel any shame about it. I knew that I wanted to build this business. I have had had and have so much conviction around what we're trying to do at Helena. And it's the best way of learning is just putting yourself out there and not having any shame around doing that. So being shameless is probably the best piece of advice that I could give. Uh, and I would say the other piece of that is don't get discouraged. Every single successful entrepreneur that you see, you know, online, on social media, talking at events has gone through years and years and years of rejection. That is so normal in the process. And don't let it get to you. Let every no or every, you know, somebody saying this is a silly idea or you're never going to make it fuel you to continue going and know that every single person around you has gone through that as well. And it's very normal. Uh, and as long as you continue to tell yourself that and don't get bogged down by it, then you'll have a lot of success. I love it. And so for those listening, can you maybe share how big the Helena team is now and the last publicly announced raise? Yes. I was just before this interview trying to figure out how many of us there are because we we just sent out an offer to a candidate who's accepting that we're very excited about. And we just hired a wonderful CTO and some great people on the team. And so I was trying to count. We're in the mid-30s right now, team size. Our last fundraise was last fall in the fall of 2021, where we raised over $20 million in our Series A funding. Amazing. Super inspiring. Before we close out, I wanted to kind of ask about the future of Helena. When might we be able to see Helena products available for sale? And I know that there's a lot of great work that needs to be done, a lot of safety that needs to be checked, double-checked, certified, etc. But when is kind of like the timeline on the horizon? Oh, I'm hoping soon, but it's so tricky to say right now as the regulations are changing every day with the current shortage. We are likely facing delays in our go-to-market, and that's because purely our manufacturing partner has to be, it's a government mandate that they use their facility to make products that are saleable and not for testing. So you're asking this at an interesting time because things are continuously changing. So I'm optimistic. I say soon, but it will really depend on how these mandates shape out. And as a business and people who really care, the whole Helena team very much cares about being able to make sure babies can get fed right now. We're very in support of us getting delayed of getting to market if it means that other manufacturers can be using 100% of their production line to create products to feed babies as opposed to for testing. 
You can learn more about Helena at myhelena.com and find Laura on LinkedIn. Laura, do you have any last insights, announcements, or any just tidbits before we close off today? Looking forward to seeing everybody at Future Food Tech. It's going to be a great event. There are some brilliant people attending, and I'm hoping that I can meet some of the people listening here. Exciting. We look forward to seeing you there. Laura, thank you so much. Thanks, Alex. This is your host, Alex, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. This program was produced by H Media. See you soon.